you may already be at that point where you are just tired. Tired of having to reinvent yourself. Tired of having to deal with and try to overcome the crazy curveballs that life throws at you. Well, TV radio host, philanthropist, single mom of five, Kim Adams, is still being forced to adapt and survive. And she might actually have exactly what you need to hear right now. Plus, in our No Dumb Questions segment, are we just going to have to deal with paying more? We hear so much concern about inflation. What does that really mean? And what does that really mean for your wallet? And in the last 10 minutes of the show, we'll take a seat at the kids' table. I'm sure you agree it's very important to teach kids about budgeting, right? But there's one step that a lot of parents skip over, and it actually comes even before you start talking about budgeting. We'll talk about it today. Thank you for making time to be here, to be part of our little family, our little family of women who want to be financially confident. If there's someone you think would be perfect for this group, the more the merrier. Send them a link to the podcast. Okay, so before we learn how to improvise, adapt, and overcome, even though we're tired and we don't want to do it anymore, uh, let's start the show with no dumb questions. Welcome, Professor Emeritus at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and author of Teachers Can Be Financially Fit, economist Mark Shug, as we call him, lovingly refer to him as Grandpa Mark. Thank you so much for being here again. It's my pleasure to be here, Sandy. It's always great to see you. All right. So now a lot of people, you hear little chatter about inflation and the fear of inflation. First, what is inflation in layman's terms? How does it impact us directly? And what do you think about it? You go to the grocery store and the price of blueberries goes up and the price of raspberries goes down. When the price of blueberries goes up, that's not inflation. That, that's supply and demand. That's changing okay. market prices back and forth. Uh, inflation is measured by something called the consumer price index. And that means a general rise in prices. Everything. And it, it, yeah. Okay. On average, everything's going up. And so that's what we're seeing right now. And it, the, the consumer price index that came out last week was up 4.8%. Well, people were expecting 2%, 2.5%, 3%. And so this kind of rattled people. Because if you annualize that, it's nine and a half percent. So th that's what made people nervous. So we really did see a rise in inflation. I think the big question among economists is, uh, is this a one-time thing or just for a quarter or two? But as the economy comes back, uh, will this go back down to a more normal rate? And, uh, and, and that's the worry. And nobody knows about that. Uh, right now, the federal government has is spending a lot of money on pandemic relief. Uh, the Federal Reserve is keeping interest rates very low. The Federal Reserve is doing something like called quantitative easing where they're buying US treasuries and they're buying uh, mortgage-backed securities. All these things are pushing a lot of money into the economy. So there's quite a quantity of money going in. And the question is if GDP continues to rise, well, it can handle that quantity. But, it, but if the quantity of money being uh, churned into the economy is rising faster than GDP, then you get inflation. That's what inflation is all about. Well, how do we boost the GDP then? If we're spending so much money, what do they need to do? Well, uh, we're seeing a big boost in the economy. There's no question about it. And this is just more uh, a natural return to where we were. I mean, as all the businesses come back and the restaurants open and the bars open and the people that 
you know, couldn't work because their business was closed. Now they come back, they're getting their incomes. They've spent through the last $1,400 check they got. And so I would expect just a natural return to the economy. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what that's what hope you're is that what we're hoping is that what her fingers yeah. are crossed? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, the Federal Reserve, this is their job Their they, their job is to monitor the economy to make sure we've got stable prices. And they also are supposed to monitor the, the economy, make sure we've got, you know, lots of jobs being produced. And so right now, they kind of got the, their foot on the gas in terms of jobs, because they want the economy to come back. Uh, and they catch up to the spending, right? To catch up to the spending. Okay. Right. And they've taken their foot off the pedal a little bit in terms of inflation. They're a little less worried about inflation right now. Okay. So it's the Federal Reserve. That's the one that that's the agency, that's the entity that is responsible for see, they determine the quantity of money that gets produced into the economy. I mean, the, the Congress does too, because they pass things, uh, you know, they they pass spending bills. Uh, so they they influence. So that's fiscal policy that of uh, that influences it. But the Federal Reserve is the one that's supposed to monitor the whole show. Okay. And if the GDP doesn't go up quick enough, or if it doesn't go up as much, then would do would, how do they? Inflation. Then we get inflation. Then, then the we get inflation. Money, this is just too uh, too much money chasing too few goods. It's that simple. It's too much money being pushed into the economy chasing too few goods, meaning GDP. So the too few goods, that statistic is GDP. So when we get this huge increase in the quantity of money, GDP is not rising as fast, boom, we get inflation. Right now we're okay, uh, but we don't wanna panic with just one reading of the situation. Okay, all right. Well, that uh, that clears it up a little bit. I mean, we have a better understanding <laughs> now, I guess when we hear those news story, what, what they yeah. mean by it. All right. Thank you so much, Grandpa Mark. All right. Well, it was my pleasure, Sandy. Begging to desperately keep your job out of fear, that is never fun. This conversation might be all you need to hear to push you into start building up that safety net. Kim Adams joins us next. So this, I think I'm going to call this the secret to staying positive and reinventing. Yeah. When life doesn't throw you one curveball, it throws you a whole bucket of curveballs. Kim Adams is here. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Oh my gosh. When I was reading up on you, I'm like, this woman, she's like, normally one curveball, people will just crumble and get so frustrated and angry with life. But yeah, you've been thrown a bucket of curveballs and every single time you come out of it so positive. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to soak in some of your positive energy. <laughs> All of us want to soak in a little bit of Kim. <laughs> well, I always say, if you don't have resilience, you can borrow it from others until you do. And then once you have it, then you need to share it. So okay. sometimes we can't do it all by ourselves and not everyone has the resilience to get through something. So they might need to borrow it. I've had to borrow it myself from people when I've been going through hard times. So now that I'm back on my feet doing well during those times, I always try to pay it forward and share my resilience. All right. So we're going to borrow it from you today. Yeah. Good, All right. Good. So which, uh, which curveball should we start with? Well, what I refer to it as my rock bottom has a trap door. And I would know a lot of people feel that way. You think like, okay, this is it. This is my rock bottom. And then all of a sudden, whoop, 
the bottom falls out and you fall a little further. It's like, wait a minute. So that wasn't my rock bottom. Okay. All right. Now, where are we going? All right. Bring it on. Come on. Bring it. Bring it. Um, and I have to say this too. I don't always feel that way in the moment. Mm. I think we all have to feel every emotion that there is. And I think we've become a culture of, we have to be positive and go get them and this and that. Mm. You also have to give yourself grace and to sit in your loss or your disappointment or whatever season you're going through in your life and really feel it. Because I made this mistake of always trying to be like, I'm going, I'm getting back up, right back up again, yeah. pulling up my big girl yeah. pants. And it catches up with you. If you don't actually deal with the loss and what you're going through, um, it will eventually catch up to you. You can't always live up here. You just can't. Um, my big thing is you just can't get stuck. Don't get stuck there. Feel it. Allow yourself a certain amount of time to grieve and to kind of be down for a while. Then it's time to put your big girl pants on, get back up and get back out there. Now, would you say Hurricane Katrina was the very first major event where you or no? Does it even go be before that? Boy, it really goes, um, it, it, it goes before that. But I think that was the first thing that I had gone to gone through as a mom. Mm. And that changed the game because before, when you go through challenges, you usually, you have your parents to rely on, you have a, a circle of, of people and you have a net and this time, and you're not really responsible for anyone but yourself. Mm. But when you're responsible for, at the time I had two young children, when you're responsible for the, those two little lives, it changes the game and the pressure is much uh, stronger. So Hurricane Katrina was definitely the first time that I went through something major in my life and I had young children to support and to deal with and also a husband as well. Yeah. So we can and, start there. <laughs> and that pretty, I mean, that took a toll on everybody that was involved with that. But, you know, reading up on it, your insurance didn't really cover it. That was like a financial. Yeah. So, so that was the biggest challenge. So I was a meteorologist in Detroit and I had two young children. I was married to a Naval officer and he got stationed in Pascagoula, Mississippi. And I decided to end my career, become a stay-at-home mom and follow him down to Mississippi rather than try to break up our family. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, we sold everything and moved down to Mississippi. Hurricane Katrina came just six months later, destroyed our home. My parents moved down the street and built a house as well, destroyed their home too. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, after the hurricane happened, the thought was, okay, gonna rebuild. That's what we're gonna do. It's all just stuff. Stuff doesn't matter. We've got our health, we're good. And then the insurance adjuster said, um, this isn't covered. This is water, not wind, even though we didn't qualify for flood insurance. This happened to uh, almost everyone in the South where you couldn't rebuild because your insurance, even though you had hurricane insurance, they said it was a flood, not a hurricane. So it became this big insurance battle. That's a different ball game because you still have to pay your mortgage, even though your house isn't there. You don't just get forgiven for it. So you still oh. have to pay the mortgage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yes, oh. you still have to pay that mortgage uh, because you owe that money. Uh, so we had, to, and you have to rebuild with no money. Uh, so it was a, a giant loss for us. And I ended up moving back home with to Michigan with my two children. My husband went back out to sea and we had to do a, a long, distance, long distance military um, family situation so that I could work because I had to provide for my kids, for my parents who were also struggling um, and get back to work. 
Wow. Now see, that's tough. Cause you were out of the job world for how long? Just about a year. Okay. Uh, I wasn't out for too long, but it, regardless, but still, industry, it's tough to get back into. And it's not like they just have a place waiting for you. Yeah. And, and this is where I, I always use, there's a Marine term that's improvise, adapt and overcome. And I, I've used this, my grandfather was a Marine and he instilled this in me. And that was the first time that I really had to put that into action. I had to improvise. They didn't have a meteorology position open for me. So I took a health reporter position, which wasn't a health reporter, even though it's science, it wasn't. I remember the mayor got diverticulitis one night and they called me in on a Sunday night and they're like, you've got to come in. The mayor has diverticulitis. And I was like, diver what? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't Google. know. Oh, yep, be right there. I'm going to be an expert on diverticulitis in the next. Can you just tell me how to spell that, please? Okay, I'm like, like, da 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 da. What? What's? Is he going to die or not? I don't know. Um, So you have to improvise and figure it out, and eventually you do adapt to your new normal, and that's when you start to overcome. And and so I did that and found a job eventually in as a meteorologist. One opened up, and and so I went back into meteorology. But I have to say. Most of that was perspective because the second I would start to feel sorry for myself, Mm. please look around me. How many people lost their children, their spouses? Mm. Not only did they lose their home, but they didn't have a TV job to come back to in another state. Really, it's your perspective. Someone really does have it worse always. Um, So I felt rather than sorry for myself, I felt really grateful you can't be grateful and fearful in the same moment. You just can't, it's impossible. So I really felt grateful that I was able to get back home. We were able to um, sell, rebuild and sell our house and kind of get back on our feet. But financially it was, it was pretty difficult to do so. I can imagine. And that creates a lot of stress. It does. And a it lot does. of stress, especially when you said you had little babies to take care of. I had young children, which is why I'm so glad you do this podcast, because I, at that point, had never learned how to manage my money. I was either well-fed or hungry. There was no in-between. Mm. I was doing really, really good in my career, and we were buying all the things. Every contract I signed meant a bigger house, a better car, uh, and I didn't prepare for something like a hurricane. First of all, I lived in the North my entire life. I only lived in the South for six months and ended up getting wiped out in the worst natural <laughs> disaster in U.S. history. So go figure that. But I certainly was not a planner. And we had drained our 401k for me to be a stay-at-home mom, thought I was doing all the right things, but I certainly had not prepared financially for something like that. Well, especially so many moms will say, listen, there's so much crap I got to get done. That Mm -hmm. is, doesn't feel exciting. So let me just have someone else take care of it. And then you find yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know what to do next. What's the right thing to do? I don't know. Well, the other mistake that I made was, unfortunately, life is not a fairy tale. And I decided since I had to work, there are only so many hours in a day. I wanted to be home with my kids. And the time I was with my kids, I didn't want to spend it looking at my bank account. And I felt like it was taking away from my kids. And so I left everything to my husband Mm -hmm. who was not a financial planner himself and had no idea what he was doing. And, um, I trusted 
too much. I had no idea even half the time what was in our checking account. I made the money, put it in there. Somehow the bills got paid and I just wanted to be with my kids. But what I realized in retrospect was the best thing I could have done for my kids was to be a little more hands-on when it came to those finances, because in the long run, I've ended up having to work a lot more because I didn't do that because I wasn't responsible with my money. And you know, so many other women are listening saying, yes, exactly. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not exciting. It can be overwhelming, especially Mm -hmm. since I didn't grow up with money. So these were all new terms to me. I didn't know. I did. I just didn't have an education. A lot of kids that that come from money grow up with these terms around them. 401k stocks, bonds, all these terms. I suddenly found myself in a lucrative career, um, but I didn't know what to do with it. And we grew up in a generation where our parents didn't talk about that stuff. Exactly. Right. It's like, yeah, you don't, it's all hush hush. It's none of your business kind of thing. That's the, that's the world we grew up in. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, It's different. Okay. So you're now a mom of five kids, a single mom of five Mm -hmm. kids. And then you dealt with another big trap door, as you would say, cancer. How are you feeling today? Well, first of all, I'm in remission. I feel really good, much more conscious of taking care of my health. Uh, I had um, breast cancer, had a double mastectomy, uh, radical hysterectomy and treatment, uh, chemo treatment. And so um, fortunately, uh, as a single mom, I, I, um, I had my parents close by and they were able to help me through those really difficult times. But in the middle of that breast cancer, I was working as a spokes company, uh, a spokesperson for uh, a local company. And <laughs> I called them to tell them that I had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And the response was, we can't have a spokesperson people think is dying. Are you lying? What? No. And instead of, um, you know, instead of saying what I should have said, I begged. Oh, I, I, I totally understand. Um, absolutely. But, but I I'm getting hair extensions. And then once it falls out that I, I I've already been fitted for a wig and, and I actually look good. If you would see me, I can show you, I look great. I look great. I would send emails, please, please film with me, you know, begging for them to film with them and never heard a peep, not a word. Um, and that's where actually the, my brand, which is live fearless. That's where it was born out of because they ended up at the end of my contract, they didn't renew it anyway. And they terminated me, um, and withheld my salary until I would sign a non-disparagement agreement. Uh, it was a very ugly situation. And because I was a single mom, because I had no net, I had no savings. I was living paycheck to paycheck. That's where the desperation came from. And that's where the decisions were based out of fear, fear of losing my house, fear of losing everything I have. If I had had a little net and a nest, even a little one, even two or three months, I would not have had to beg during my cancer treatment to work. Wow. And I was an independent contractor. So I fell under a different category. I wasn't, it couldn't be a wrongful termination suit because I'm an independent contractor. So I'm not protected. Um, so that was, that was probably the most significant blow for me was, was losing that job. However, although I was mad, I was angry. I had all the feels I, um, said, okay, what can I do if I can't be on TV? 
what else am I qualified to do? As I was in bed going through my treatment, I got my real estate license, took an online class, 40 hour week. And the next week went in, took my exam and I was a real estate agent. And it was back to the improvise, adapt and overcome. I had to fake it till I make it. I wasn't, I mean, I was a real estate agent legally, but this was so outside my wheelhouse, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was something that I could do um, that I could be a little more flexible with the kids, with the schedule, with my doctor's appointments. And I didn't have to look like I would if I was on TV. Um, so I became a real estate agent. Um, wow. And how long did you do? Weren't you sick? Though? I mean, did you have the energy to even push through all this? No, <laughs> no, oh. I really didn't. Um, I didn't. I, I um, ended up ended up actually prolonging really what, what could have been a much shorter treatment plan because I didn't take care of myself because I didn't put myself first Mm -hmm. and ended up, you know, having some complications that I probably would have healed faster had I not taken that time. But again, there's the stubborn mom. I can do this. I'm fine. Pull your bootstraps up. Let's go. (laughs) Um, and, and again, it all came back to money, money, because if I if I don't work, I can't pay my bills. If I can't pay my bills, I can't feed my kids. It would spiral. Again, had I had something to get me through that time. And subsequently, I am now uh, with, a comp- uh, with a nonprofit called New Day Foundation for Families, and I'm their fundraising executive. And what they do is pay uh, cancer patients' treatment. Uh, they pay for their bills while they're in treatment. So we pay their mortgage, we pay their electric, like our hard bills. Oh, wow. Fantastic. So that I can help people who are in those situations. You focus, you focus on getting better. We got this. Oh my gosh. That's remarkable. Yeah, we got what's the, what's the website again? So we can go to it. What's the name? It's foundationforfamilies.org foundationforfamilies.org. And what we do is rather than just give people the money and we don't know where they're spending it. Usually, you, you know, you're in a financial situation when you go into cancer, most of us are, Um, and then it just gets worse. So what we do is we actually pay the bills. We, you give us your bills and we pay them for you. Oh gosh. That way we know things are getting paid. We know your mortgage is paid. We know your electric bills paid. Your cell phone bill is paid. We know those hard bills are paid so that you can focus on healing. And wow. there's That's no, incredible. there's no shame in it. I also went through the shame. I, I was just going to say out. that. I was just going to say that there's probably so much of that. So much shame. I mean, you're already going through cancer. You're already vulnerable. You're stripped bare of your dignity, especially with, you know, breast cancer. I can't tell you how many strangers I was like, oh, hello, someone else here to look at my breast. You perhaps at least introduce yourself to me. You don't have to buy me dinner, but you could at least say hello. Um, (laughs) So you're already stripped bare men or women. Keep in mind, men go into, well, they're the providers of the family and now they can't provide. And so there's that shame of reaching out for help. I should have reached out for help and taken advantage of some of these programs, but I was way too proud and thought, oh, someone has it worse than me. I don't need this. I'll figure it out. And we just want to eliminate that shame of financial toxicity 
and let you, you focus on healing. And then once you're healed, you, we have many options for you to pay it forward. You'll pay it forward, but first let's get you healthy, get your bills yeah. paid, and get you healthy. Then you can pay it forward. So we're eliminating that shame for people. Well, we're so happy to hear that you're in remission and you yeah. look fantastic. Thank you. Um, you look <laughs> like you feel great. So now, okay. <laughs> so you went through that hurdle. You're still yep. taking care of the kids. Now you find a job. You're working in radio. Happy. So happy. <laughs> Where you can wear sweatpants and pajamas. It doesn't even matter. Yep. Uh, much easier than TV. Yes. Yes. And then how long were you at the rate? <laughs> Here we go. Another curveball's coming down the way. Absolutely. Yeah. I decided that, you know, real estate just, I could only improvise and adapt for so long and then it didn't work. And you have to be willing to say, okay, this is not working. I'm not happy. That, by the way, real estate is pretty cutthroat because I did that for a hot second too. I did not belong there. I was I like, oh my God, wait, what are we doing? It, it's vicious. I watched a little too much million dollar listing on Bravo <laughs> and <laughs> thought, wow, that looks so cool. It is, it, I didn't have the heart for it. I really did I just didn't. And, and there were so many clerical things too. I was such a hot mess because I'm creative. I work in TV and radio. I'm creative. <laughs> I don't know how to do a spreadsheet. I don't know how to do these contracts. And I'm doing these contracts that I'm not an attorney either. So it was just at some point you have to realize this, this, this is not, this is not for me. You have to be I was, to pivot. I was doing new builds, so I didn't have to get my real estate license, but oh, I would okay. show like uh, because our, our neighborhood actually was doing it for the builder because our neighborhood was okay. growing. I'm like, I'll just sit in the open house. My husband's having the guys over for football. I don't want to be there anyhow. I'll just sit there. Well, here I am with the builder. I'm like, this is such a nice family. Just give him $20,000 less. Get, and the, the builder's like, Sandy, how are we going to make money? I'm like, but they're so nice. <laughs> That's what I would do too. You know what I would do is that if their house, I would go in, if I had a listing, um, I would go in and I would actually clean their house. Like I found oh, myself stop. organizing closets and I'm in their basement and I'm, I'm like, you know, power washing the patio. I'm like, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. I'm like, no, no, I've got it. You guys go out to lunch. I'm going to take care of this and I'm going to sell this house. So, and someone was always mad at me, which I'm also not very good at, you know, either they didn't think I got them enough for the house or it was too much or it was not for me. Yeah, so yeah. radio comes along and I thought, why didn't I think of this sooner? this is, I thought it wasn't cool enough to be in radio, to be honest, TV people like radio DJs at the time. I thought like, those are the cool guys. Those are the, like the rock oh. and roll jocks. Like those are the cool people. I'm not cool. No, enough see, wait a minute. In radio, we think TV people look down on us so, to be honest with you. <laughs> so I learned that too. When I first started and I said that they're like, what are you talking about? We think that radio people see exactly what you said. I was like, no, you guys are the cool kids. Are you oh, kidding me? You know, you play albums and you're cool. And so I, I did radio and I loved it. I mean, I really just fell in love with it. Happy as a clam. Ratings are good. Numbers are great. I'm cruising along, flipped over to Christmas music. Mm -hmm. I'm going playing Frosty the Snowman and my phone rings. Love it. My boss. I was like, mm, I better answer it. That's weird. He calls me in the middle of my show. So I answer it's not just my boss, but it's my boss's boss. And they said, Hey, um, <laughs> in the middle of your show. Yes. My show was okay. from nine. My show was from nine to three. Okay. And this was at noon and they called me at noon and they said, Hey, we, um, just want to let you know, we, we flipped formats. And I said, 
oh, okay, when? They're like, no, we, we, we're doing it. It's right now. Like from Frosty the Snowman to Nirvana. I mean, it was just oh, that quick. God. And I said, oh, oh, okay. And I thought, hmm, that's weird. I don't know much about, you know, alt rock, but I guess I'll figure it out. Uh, and then they said, so, um, you know, do you have Pam's number in HR? You'll need to fill out. And as soon as I heard HR, I went, oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, no. HR, wait, am I getting fired? And and they said, well, it, I mean, it's not fired. You just, um, you know, we, we just flip formats. And so there's no, your job's just been eliminated. I'm like, yeah, that's fired. I don't care. That's fired. And, and I just, okay. And I, I didn't even hear anything else through the rest of the conversation. And I hung up the phone and the Detroit news call within five minutes. He's like, Hey, do you have a statement and this and that? I'm like, how, how did you know? He's like, Oh, a press release went out this morning. (gasps) I was like, "Mm." this morning, wait a minute. It was noon when you found out. Yeah, it was noon. I was like, Oh, okay. So I, you know, I found myself completely with five minutes. It was wow. insane. And everything else was tied to that job. I just started a podcast, but it was tied to that job. So I'd put all my eggs in one basket. Um, and that one kind of knocked me back. Um, and, and I, and I got, I got to the point where I was just tired, tired of reinventing myself. Um, okay. So I did, TV. And then I left TV. I became a stay-at-home mom. And then I, and then I became a real estate agent. And then I did a podcast and now I'm in radio and I'm just tired. And at my age, you know, I was 50. And I thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. So I took a breath and I just threw myself into charity work because it was the only thing that made me feel better. And I went into debt because the income stopped on a dime. I, um, and again, no net because I haven't, I'm still playing catch up from 10 years ago and all these different challenges. And so, um, I, I threw myself into charity work and I thought, wow, I really like this. If I could find a way to make a living and help people really help people, what a great thing that would be. Um, and then I was, I thought, okay, but you're not looking for a job during a pandemic in, especially in radio or TV. Uh, and so I gave myself, this was in November that I got fired and January, I thought January one, I'm going back and looking for a job. And my dad died suddenly January 3rd. Oh gosh. And that was one, that was the first time that I'd been knocked back where I couldn't fix it through hard work. Mm. Couldn't fix it. So I gave myself a few more months to grieve and to get through that. And that's when I was talking about you don't have to put your big girl pants on right away and be, it's okay. I'll get through this. No, sometimes you're down. And when you're down, you're down. Uh, And I was down pretty hard, but a few months later, um, you know, when, when your mortgage company calls and says, you know, (laughs) I think you better make a payment here at some point you have no chance, no choice. And you do have to just figure it out. And I did. Um, and I started working with the nonprofit that I talked about, New Day Foundation for Families. And then a, um, a radio group called me, Crawford Media Group, and offered me another job back in radio doing a show uh, that we've called Fearless Faith. And it's on a, it's a Christian radio station. Again, it's sort of the improvise, adapt, and overcome again, mm-hmm. because even though I'm a Christian, I've never done Christian radio. Um, so I've had to sort of navigate and figure that out. Um, but it feels but, like such a nice place to be. 
right? And that's, that's radio. Nice yeah. and yeah. It is. We started our first Zoom meeting where they introduced me to the staff and we started it with a prayer, which had never happened in my career. And I was like, okay, this feels really good. These aren't the people that are going to fire you because you're going through cancer. These aren't the people that are going to fire you in the middle of your show, right? Right, exactly. But I have to say, when it comes to the, the group that I was with, when I was in the middle of my show and they, they eliminated my job, I can choose to either hold a grudge, dislike those people. I don't, I still like those people. I still love my boss. In fact, when I started my radio show, my new one, he sent me a text and said, you know, go get him, kiddo. Aww. Um, you know, we, we all have to make decisions that we don't want to make. Was it handled the way I would have liked? No, of course not. I would have liked a phone call before and handle a different way. But at the end of the day, these aren't bad people. They're in the same position that I was in where they're, you know, they're in a pandemic trying to figure it out. They're scrambling knee jerk reactions. It's an unstable business. Um, And so I could either choose to get stuck there. Um, I, I do still, I can't move past the getting fired or, you know, we can't have a spokesperson people think is dying. I can't quite move past that. I do have my limitations for that. Um, I can't forget that one. That one is, that one's still tough to get over, but you know, when, when you flip formats and I didn't fit the alt rock format, that's a different thing. Yeah, it it, it really is. I know, I know what I do and it's as a middle-aged mom, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm just not going to introduce. In fact, I keep saying Nirvana because it's the only alt rock I can actually (laughs) think of at the moment. So (laughs) So I keep saying them because uh, I can't think of anybody else on the playlist. Yeah, so I yeah. get it. I get it. It's fine. And it led me to something better. Yeah. It just is. It's a better fit. And, you know, if in a year or two years that doesn't work, okay, what's next? And I will reinvent myself and I will, even though I'm tired, it's also a new opportunity and it can be exciting. And I've learned how to flip the script in my head of, oh, I've got to reinvent myself again. I'm tired to, okay, all right, what's next? Blank piece of paper, blank piece of paper. And I get to control it. You have how a lot more you, control than you think. How did you do this all with five kids? That's a challenging part. That's challenging. Uh, first of all, I have really good kids. I have a girl and four boys. Um, it was tough when we lost my dad because my dad was very much like um, uh, the father figure to them, Papa. You know, Papa would take them if I had to be two places at the same time. Papa went one, I went the other. Um, my mom's disabled, so he was her caretaker. So I've taken on that role as well. Um, but um, with the kids, first of all, you have to be super organized. It's the only way to survive it. Once I get disorganized, then I'm stressed and, and I can't handle it. As long as I'm organized, I'm okay. So I'm very organized. We live pretty simply. Each, each kid gets one activity at a time. So the boys right now are playing mm-hmm. baseball, but they're not playing baseball, basketball, football, Cub Scouts. Blah, blah, blah. They, they do one, um, usually one sport, one club or something like that. Um, so we do that. It's just one thing at a time, but you know, like tonight at six o'clock, I got to be at three different baseball fields at the same time. And that's somehow where, you're going to do it. And well, without my dad, 
what I've had to do is, this is a terrible thing for women, ask for help. Oh, <laughs> I've had to hard. ask for help. You know, there's a, always a mom on the team that's willing mm. to pick up your kid if they have to, and I'll do it for hers as well. Um, but that was a tough one to, to say, I can't do this and, and I need a little help. And what I found is that people, they like to do it. They do. Um, and, and you just, you have to be willing to accept it. Now, I certainly don't take advantage of it and I always pay it forward. Um, but, but if I need it and they offer instead of saying, no, 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 I've got it. If they offer, I find myself saying, yes, actually that would help me a lot. Thank you. I find that more and more now that, especially within moms, with the group of moms, it is, it's, it takes a village. It legitimately does. And there's never been a time where we didn't lean on each other. Cause you have to, you yeah. have to, you yep. have to, and it feels good because when I've offered other moms, Hey, you know, if I'm going to this field and you live down the street, why don't I pick up Michael and take him to baseball with us? Oh my goodness. Thank you. I would love that. Then I can get get dinner cooked or I could get this. And it actually makes me happy. Yeah, it it, it really does. And so um, I think as women, we've, we just have to let that go. If you need help, ask for it. Most women are more than happy to help each other out. I learned that through breast cancer because I always thought that I was a guy's guy. Like I'm a, I'm a guy's girl rather, you know, all my friends are, I've got guy friends and, and my circle was, you know, that's who I was. Um, and then I found when I got breast cancer, uh, you know, I always thought when I was young, you know, there was just a competitiveness with women and certainly in our business and in television, especially, you know, it was just so competitive and cutthroat and women were pitted against each other. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. I was removed from it because I was a meteorologist. So I wasn't really in competition with the other women that were anchors and reporters, but I saw it and it was so sad to me. Um, But, you know, I found when I went through breast cancer, the strength of when you put women together, then my sisters and my tribe and my, I surrounded myself with really good women. And I think we're doing that a lot more um, supporting each other. I agree. I agree. There was, when we started in in media, it was like, you know, I was like the second woman in and the one woman who was already there, well-established. She was like, oh, well, you know, when I would go hang out with the guys, because there's only either her or the guys, there's no other options. Right. And I want to learn everything because I'm this young intern. She's like, oh, you're part of the dick click. I get it. I'm like, Oh, I'm just seriously. Yeah, seriously. I'm not even kidding. I was like, oh my God, wait, I look up to you too. Right. One woman, I was like, oh, can I just shadow you so I could learn what you do here? I'm just, you know, a college student trying to soak it all in. She's like, what? So you can take my job someday. I'm like, no, I thought of you as like a mother figure. Yeah. It was terrible. It was heartbreaking to think back at how it once was, but now I feel like you're right. I feel like it's shifting. Um, and we're starting to build each other up, which is nice, refreshing. Well, and you know, they're not there to take your job. Some are, but most are not there to take (laughs) your job. And quite frankly, if they're better than you and you're not putting in the work and you've gotten lazy as you've gotten older, yeah, they're going to take your job because they're going to do it better and they have the heart for it. Um, I remember when I was working in meteorology, uh, this, this girl walked in Jessica star. uh, And I was the meteorologist doing the 11 PM news. So the, 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 you know, the main show she walks in, she's, you know, five, 10, 
every bit as gorgeous as her name, blonde. And I looked at her and they're like, you know, this is your new intern, Jessica. And I looked at her and I actually laughed. I'm like, oh, great. I'm like, well, I'm like, well, I'm history. You're going to be here. But I looked at it as, you know, more of just a joke because I wanted to, first of all, put her at ease. And second of all, to acknowledge, first of all, I'm not threatened by anyone. I'm only looking to be better than I was the day before. That's it. And if viewers prefer someone over me, then nothing I can do about it. Being hateful to her isn't going to help, but I helped her and, um, you know, I just, I fell in love with her, but I looked at it as, oh, great. I get to contribute. I get to, you know, there was nobody there as a female meteorologist to help me. There were no meteorologists that were women at the time. So it was exciting. And she ended up, you know, going on and, and, you know, being this great, you know, TV star. And I was so proud of her. Wow, and I, the mama in you came oh out. My, That's how I yes, am too. Yes. I love it. It was yeah. like, you go. I mean, I was just so excited for her that, you know, she was making her dreams come through, come true. And I had a little part in that. Yeah. And that gave me much more joy than it threatened me at all. Yeah. Okay. So any final words for the women listening who have been or are dealing with something right now that they are stuck or they feel overwhelmed or? I think they really need to look at what role fear is playing in their decision and really examine why they are so afraid. Is it the fear of not being good enough? The fear of what everybody thinks? The fear of failure? Um, the fear that it's too late. This is a big one when you get to be, you know, my age of uh, the regret, the fear that it's too late for me. Um, you know, Vera Wang was in her 40s before she even designed her first wedding dress. Um, Julia Child was in her 50s before she even started cooking on TV. Uh, it's it's not too late. I can name story after story of success stories of people who have found their calling later in life. If, if I had been better with my money, or if I even was today, a lot of my challenges that I went through now, I would have still gone through the same challenges, but I think I would have handled them much better. And I would not have made a lot of decisions out of fear because as women, again, we have to prepare for when that fairy tale doesn't turn out the way we thought whether, you know, you go into a marriage, you know, I quit my career to be a stay-at-home mom and um, financially, was that the smartest decision? I thought it was at the time, but maybe I should have kept one toe in the business Mm -hmm. or if you have a license rather than just letting it go, maybe you should just keep that license current. Maybe you should take a course a year online, be a stay-at-home mom. That's fine. But maybe you should just keep that in there. And it's sad to think that way. But if something did happen, at least you have that, that foundation, you have that yeah. net, a little bit of a net, I think that would peace really of helped. mind too, that, Absolutely. okay, it's going to be okay. It'll be okay. And it's that's what women need. Just the peace of mind that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. That's yeah. when I'm going through hard times, that's all I really want to hear. You don't have to fix my problems for me. I just want someone to just say, you know, it's going to be, okay. yes. Can yeah. It's going to be okay. That's kind of what my show is now. This fearless faith is I always say, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. Um, I'm just sort of here to hold your hand through it. Mm. Can't fix it for you, um, but I'll listen and I'll hold your hand through it. And I can tell you it's going to be okay. It's no matter how it turns out, it, it is going to be okay. 
And sometimes that's all people need to hear. Yeah. Where can we, where can we listen? Uh, you can listen online. It's wdjconline.com. Uh, okay. If you're it's, I'm on seven to midnight, seven nights a week. Uh, or if you're in Birmingham, Alabama, you can listen every single day. I'm also on a Detroit uh, Monday through Friday on 103.5 WMUZ. You can listen to me there. Um, and eventually I'll get back into doing podcasting and, okay. and all of those things as soon as my kids are done with baseball season. <laughs> Just those darn kids dictate our schedule. You know, in fact, I'm looking out the window right now and, and I'm, I'm, I feel horrible for saying this, but sometimes I do pray for rain. <laughs> oh no, we've all been there. Yeah. Although, <laughs> I did that last week and what ended up happening was it did rain, but they didn't call the game. So all that happened was I ended up sitting there in the freezing <sighs> cold rain watching baseball, <laughs> but you know how that is like sometimes. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> If I could just take one thing oh, off dude. my schedule, it would be great. <laughs> You're just saying what we're all thinking. I love I it. Well, I do that quite often. Yeah. Oh. By the time again, you get to a certain age, you just don't have the filter you used to. Right. Enjoy just, it. Just don't care. <laughs> There's no fear of what other people think because you're so confident in your own skin. You know who you are by now. That's and, right. And you're not going to change. Oh, I love it. Kim Adams, you are so wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on this program. I really, I'm excited to listen to more. I really am. One of the top lessons parents wish they taught in school is budgeting. Well, they're not teaching it in school like we wish they would. So it's on you. Grab a chair. We're about to take a seat at the kids' table. The important step in budgeting that a lot of kids are missing out on. Next. take a seat at the kids table. How can we teach our kids the money lessons that they are not learning in school? Our money expert, Susan Beecham, founder of Money Savvy Generations is here. How are you? I am well. Thanks, Sandy. One big thing, Susan, that parents said they wish kids knew more about is how to budget. So before we get your advice and your take on all of this, we asked the kids about budgeting. A budget is how much money you have in the bank. Why do you need one? To like, so that you can keep your house and your car and all your electricity running. It's how much you can spend and how much you have. A budget is a certain amount of money that you can spend and if you go over that budget, in the real world, like if you have a credit card and you have an actual budget, you'll have to like pay more and you might not have that more money. Okay. They're on the right path. I think it's always interesting how much these kids know. So where are you getting these brilliant kids? Because I know. <laughs> <laughs> they they're they're very intriguing on how they they nibble away at the outside of what's true. Budgeting is such an abstract concept, but when you actually do it, it's a very concrete task. So when you first want to introduce budgeting, start with setting goals. Goal setting is the gateway to budgeting. People don't realize that there's a step before you jump into budgeting. And you can do this at any age. So at any age, what is something they want or need? Have them set a goal for what that is 
and then create a plan for how they're going to accomplish it, acquire it, and do everything in writing because we want to make it very concrete. Amanda, when she was quite young, my youngest, wanted a poodle, a stuffed poodle. And so she drew a oh, picture. Oh, you lucked out with that. I, I thought it was like a real poodle. She knew her mother. So um, <laughs> when kids are very young, I ask them to draw a picture of what their goal is because kids aren't really into writing a paragraph about what their goal is. So she drew a picture of a poodle and underneath it, she wrote down the cost. That's a great first step when you're setting a goal, right? And you can understand how it it can translate into good budgeting. So she put down the cost of a po- the, the stuffed poodle. And then she um, wrote down three things she could do to earn that money. Now, remember when you're budgeting, you're budgeting your income. So you can see how these things eventually, these touch points will translate uh, into budgeting as time goes on. So this was the big poodle plan. Mm-hmm. And the poodle plan went up on the, bill, uh, the bulletin board at the back door because it needed to be somewhere where she could be reminded on a daily basis that this was something she had set as a short term goal. Mm. So there's short term goals and there's long term goals. Short term goals for kids can be something as simple as a $20 stuffed poodle. A long term goal for a younger child can be something bigger like a bicycle, a uh, computer game. Uh, As you get older into middle school, it can be a summer camp. It can be a hobby. As you get a little older in high school, it can be saving for the cost and care of a car. And then as you move into college, it can be the expenses that your child is going to be asked to take care of when they're in school, like books or any of their social activity money. Each one of those is a goal that they then break down into, well, what's the cost of that goal? Is it short-term or long-term? Do I have a week, a month? to get it or do I anticipate it'll take a year to get it? Um, Of course, long-term goals can be as far out as seven years, but very young children don't go further than a week because that's like a year to them. Okay. When it comes to these goals, the reason I say they're in writing is so everyone is reminded and there's something about putting something in writing that makes it real, not only for your child, but for you. All of a sudden you become a team every time you go out that back door and you see that goal with the plan underneath it, it reminds you to do what? To talk about it, to assess it. How are they doing? Is it still a priority? Isn't it great? You no longer want that poodle? Okay. Isn't it great? You didn't go get it, but you've been saving money towards it. So what's your next goal? Each one of these steps will take you to a point when you actually introduce budgeting, which is you can do budgeting in the high school years. It then becomes something that's that they've heard of before. And the familiarity of setting goals and creating plans to reach those goals will translate into budgeting because budgeting is a set of categories of wants and needs. But all these touch points when they're little and in middle school, high school and college that you do where you set up short term goals and long term goals, distinguish between whether their wants or their needs. It's practice for when they finally get to a point where you're setting up a budget. It won't feel like you have 
uh, like you're raining on their parade. Most people wait too long to introduce budgeting, almost like it's a penance. It should be exciting, as exciting as the realization of that first goal. When you give them the opportunity to set a goal, you're saying, okay, that is your money choice uh, that you're making. Yeah, yeah. Now let me show you how to get that choice, make that choice a reality. And that's what budgeting should be. By the time you get to budgeting, it should be exciting because you have now income and you have the understanding of wants and needs. And oh boy, I can't wait to do this and plug this all in so I can see how I can take care of my short-term goals and my long-term goals. It shouldn't be a wah-wah. It yeah. should be a yay. yay. There you go. Look, Susan just made budgeting fun for everyone. <laughs> yes. Susan, how can we follow you? How can we find you and reach out to you? You can reach me at my blog and there's it's in categories there. So you can click on budgets and you can read all about some other ideas, which is at susanbeecham.com. And they can find Money Savvy Generation's award-winning products and some free resources at moneysavvy.com. You're always the best. Thanks, Susan. You are welcome, Sandy. Okay, there's another episode. If you have any questions you want us to answer in No Dumb Questions, always reach out. If there's a guest you want me to try to get on the show or if you need help talking to your kids about money, this podcast is for you. Thank you so much for being part of our our little family, like we said in the beginning, our family of women who want to be financially confident. And if there is someone that you can think of that would be perfect for this, send them a link to the podcast. Okay, we raise a glass now and we proudly and confidently say cheers to being financially confident women. Talk to you next week.